Well, good morning. How are we? All right, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, um, but I want you to put your finger there, put a piece of paper there, and I want you to turn to Psalm 63. Ask a question um, before we get to Philippians 3 that I believe Philippians 3 um, will answer for us. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablet, chapter 3, and stand Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for, has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You may be seated and let's pray together. Gracious God, we um, we come before your throne, humbled this morning, that we have this opportunity to dive into your word and, and to see how you may transform our lives. God, I pray that as we came here this morning, I pray that we came hungry and thirsty for transformation. God, that we came hungry and thirsty in pursuit after you. God, I pray that you would just move me out of the way and that your words this morning, that you would speak into our hearts this morning. God, it is not about us. It is all about you, and it is all about your kingdom. God, we love you, and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have, if you marked your spot, we're going to go back to Psalm 63, and I'm going to read a couple of verses here, and, and we're going to talk about a point that my first point this morning that I want us to look, look at is we should yearn and long for more of Jesus. Now, now I want to talk about, I don't have in your outline the word more, but I want you to write it in. But here's what I want you to understand about this word more. I'm not saying that when, when, you, when you put your trust and your faith and your hope in Jesus, you didn't get just half of Jesus or 75% of Jesus. You got all of him, all right, on the day of justification. But what I'm wanting you to see and in, in through, the, through the scriptures that we're going to read in Psalm here, is that there is an angst. There is a longing. There is, I want him, and I can't get to him. David is like, I, I, I just want him, and I can't get to him. I just want more. And I pray that that is our hearts this morning. So let's read it. Psalm 63, starting in verse 1. Just listen to these words and listen to David's heart cry out. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Let's, let's just walk through this and unpack this re- really quick. When he says, oh God, you're, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. That's a passionate longing for more of him. I can't get to him. I want to be there. It's like he's searching. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. He, he, wants, he wants all of God, not only in the spiritual, but in the physical. He's like, my body hurts. I, I want more. I want to be closer. It's like he's declaring that, that he has to cling to God for life to continue. Oh, if that was our hearts. If we, if we leaned into God and if we pursued God as if, as if life was going to be ending. Newsflash, it will. It's going to be over. And we have to... Let's keep going. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Okay, because your steadfast love, steadfast love. See, see, we change. God does not change. He's consistent. He's with us. When we change and we sin and we turn away from him, he's there. And he's saying, just come back to me. Is, is that our hearts? Is that where we want to be? We want to be in his presence. And then it says, your steadfast love, he, he's declaring that that's better than life. That life itself, the air that I breathe, your love is better than that. But do we live that way? Do, do we walk this planet breathing the oxygen that he has given us was saying that your, your steadfast love, you remaining constant, is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Wow, what worship is that? And David models for us what worship is supposed to look like. He end, in verse 5, we end it with this, my soul will be satisfied. Only in praise to God in intimate communion with him will David feel spiritually content. That word sad need in Jesus, I'm content. But, but here's, here's where my heart's at. And when I look at our culture, as I have this angst that there's a disconnect, fill us. But those things leave us empty and lonely and feeling abandoned. But he says, no, God has met all of me. Here's my question for you this morning. Are we too easily satisfied? Here's, here's what I mean by that. See, I'm too comfortable in my relationship with Jesus of that. Do we long to grow in wisdom? Like not wisdom of the world, but Jesus' wisdom. Is that what we long for? Do we long for more of him? Are we too easily satisfied? I believe we are. 
Do we have a deeper desire and a passionate pursuit for him? Are we passionately pursuing him? Here's, here's why I believe there's a disconnect. See, at the, uh, when we share the gospel or someone shared the gospel for, with us, what happens is, is we put so much emphasis at conversion with no expectation. Okay, you're a Christian. Figure it out on your own. We should be asking ourselves a question. I'm a Christian. Now what's next? When we lead someone to Jesus, we've got to show them what study. And fasting and prayer and worship, the spiritual disciplines. We, we, it can't just hinge at conversion. It's got to go further. Why are we to grow closer to Jesus? Why? So if you turn to Philippians chapter 3. I love how the Apostle Paul writes his books. I mean, he's just so straightforward. Like, he just doesn't, he doesn't, when he calls people out, explore here. Our goal is not to clean ourselves up on the outside. Our goal is not to clean ourselves up on the outside, but our goal is Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 1, let's work through In the Lord, Paul sets the stage from the get-go. He says, who do I rejoice in? Who, do we, who are we supposed to rejoice in? The Lord. He resets the stage and says, not anybody else, not any in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Verse 2, love this language. I don't know why. Maybe I'm weird and twisted. I don't know. He calls the opponents of Jesus dogs. Like he just straight up calls them out. Like I just, I don't know why I love that. Because he's saying these people live in opposition to Jesus. And you've got to be careful. Because here's what happens. He goes on to say, look out for the evil. He's saying what they do on the outside. By living a, a checklist of here's what I'm going to do right. And here's, what, and here's the things I can't do. And I'm going to avoid them. And they follow a checklist. And Jesus says it's much more than that. Here's what we have to do. We have to be careful that we don't find ourselves following people as authentic faith. That is a trap. It will lead us astray. It doesn't line up to the gospel. Because if they don't know Jesus, it's all for nothing. He goes on to say in verse 3, For we are the circumcision. Like, I just ask myself the question, like, why does Paul use circumcision as an example here? Like, can we use something else? It's just weird. Who worship no confidence in the flesh? Let's unpack this for a second. Paul, he emphasizes that it's about heart transformation. That the circumcision he is talking about here is not what I do physically to myself, but it's about what Jesus does internally. I live in obedience to him. My fear is in our world and our culture it's about what we put on display for people. That's not real. That's not Jesus. He says, who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus. I love this phrase, glory in Christ Jesus. Because when he says confidence in the flesh, those are in complete opposition to each other. My life should not look like. Not confidence in the flesh. Not familiar. But leaning and living glory in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, 
also, he's going to be like, this is what Paul's doing. He's showing, let me tell you a little something, okay? Let's walk through his resume here, okay? He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. It's pretty so current life today. This is how it looks. Some of us are like, oh, you have reason to boast? Let me tell you about me. I've never missed church on Sunday morning, Saturday night too. And then, he said, and, and then we also say, you know, I haven't said a real cuss word in 25 years. You know what? Actually, I have holy guacamole and holy stinking cow. Like, for real? And then, and it, okay, how many of you grew up um, and, or know about Awanas, the, the children's program? Love the program, think it's great, don't think there's anything wrong with it, but here's, here's, here's what happens in this. And badges on them like they're General Patton, you know? And, and then what happens is, is they believe that's Jesus, and that's not Jesus. We, 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 we get wrapped up in what happens outside instead of letting Jesus transform us from within. It's built on our pride and not on Jesus. And you know what? Who cares? Who cares? Our human achievement, it just doesn't matter. But we don't have Jesus, we've lost. We've lost. See, a lot of us live our lives. We all want to believe in the depths of our heart and our soul that we are good people. But we're not. Our goal should be Jesus. Our goal should be Jesus. Brings me to my last point this morning. Chapter 3, verse 9. So that you may know him no matter what. See, I go hard after Jesus. I pursue him. I run after him so that I may know him. Starting in verse 9, let's look at this. And be found in him. Not having, a, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Let me explain this word righteousness to you. Righteousness means I've been, I am in right relationship with God. And what that means is that is by no efforts of my own. But we, and it's not about our efforts. Righteousness comes through faith in Christ. Christ is the object of our faith. He's the object of our faith. Faith is the instruction. That's a big churchy word that means I've been declared right before God. Only because by faith alone in Christ alone can I be declared right in Christ. Act of declaring. Like, that's God involved. Like, that means he knows me intimately. Like, if that doesn't stir our soul, I just don't know what will. Faith is the only instrument linking believers to Christ and his merit. Oh, faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. 
It's the instrument linking believers to Christ and his merit. I can only have his merit. I can only have his righteousness if I'm in him and he is in I. Let me ask you, I've got two questions. I've asked a lot of questions this morning, I know. So, but I've got two more. I make no promises. Um, what are the things that stir your affections for Jesus? I love that word, affect my relationship with him. But what are the things that stir your affections for Jesus? But let me also ask you this question. What are the things that are... What are the things that are... Let me, let me tell you how this has lived out in my life. Um, I, I love basketball. Love it. I mean, upward sports, right? Love it. Love to coach it. I mean, I run more than we actually pay, play basketball. But I've, Duke is my favorite team. Don't hold that against me. I'll, you know, okay? I'm not a Mizzou fan, sorry, or KU fan. But Duke's my team. But if I follow them, like if I follow them closely, I'll start to care or something like that, but I don't watch every single game because I'll start to care and it'll move me away from the things that stir my affections for Jesus. Enough said. (laughs) My work, I'm passionate about what I do for a living. I'm passionate about it and sometimes I find myself pouring more into my job than I do my relationship with Jesus. That is devastating because my job doesn't allow me to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus does. Christ alone. The last phrase there, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That word depends. It is necessity. It has to be there. It's, it is faith. Let's look at verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, is us working out our faith. Okay, let's look at it. That I may know him, repeating our purpose. Paul says, that you may know him and the Christianity is false if Jesus didn't raise from the grave. But praise the Lord, the tomb is empty. We just sang about it. Do you believe it? Do we live it? The power of his resurrection and may share his suffering. You want me to to live as Jesus lived? You want me to do and act as Jesus acted? That's insane. Becoming like him in his death. Paul says, I'll give it up. I'll give it up, even to the point of death. Does our life proclaim that? Are we willing to say, I'll give it up, even to the point of death, even my own life? That's, I don't know. Like, will we? See, when, when Paul writes his books, we see this theme being repeated. It's Paul's deepest longing to have a deeper personal union with Jesus. That should be the, we should want to go deeper. Paul explains two ways um, of how we can know Christ through his resurrection. 
We identify with the crucified and risen Christ. That's fundamental to Christianity. Let's look at verse 11. Boy, this is, this is going to make us real uneasy. Verse, any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Our believer's perseverance depends on the will and working of the sovereign God. I'm dependent on the sovereignty of God. He's completely taking the focus completely off of us. And said it has to be on Jesus. We have to be dependent. So my last question, I promise, last question. Do we live our lives by saying, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to avoid what's wrong. We live our Christian life as just give me my checklist of what's right for me to do and I'll avoid everything else that's on the list of wrong. That's not real Christianity. That's not a relationship with Jesus that's dependent upon me. Or is, is our cry of our hearts to say this, I want to know him more. I want to draw near. Psalm 42 says, as the deer panteth for the water. So my soul longs for you. Do we say, I want to increase my knowledge of him? Guys, that requires reading this. Uh, just FYI, I, I'm just letting you know that how we increase in our knowledge is by reading this book. So he, he tells his whole story right here. I want to worship him. If, if they were to give me a microphone and said, you're going to lead worship, you would all leave. Um, but when, when I'm in the presence of God in worship, I can worship from my chair, and I can ask God to draw me to, to him through my worship of him. I don't have to sing a correct note or to know what's happening up here on stage. This fascinates me. Like when I hear what they talk about up here, just, I don't know why, it just fascinates me because I can't do it. That's okay. But it draws, it draws me near. Is my heart to say I want to love him? It's the desire of us to say I want to put to death the parts of my life that do not honor him. Like, I'm not saying, hey, I'll just set them aside and I'll revisit them later. Like, Paul says you put sin to death. If it doesn't honor Jesus, you put it to death. And I want to put it to death so that it is replaced by a full heart that loves him completely. That is so sweet. I want to put it to death so that I'm, my heart is replaced with a heart that loves him completely. So why do we pursue Jesus? To know him. So that we come and we draw close to him. As uh, Brian comes up. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. What, is, what stirs your affections for Jesus? What's robbing your affections of Jesus? What, what have you put your hope in that's leaving you empty and dry because your hope should be in Jesus? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, 
We need to sit down and we need to talk. Because our hope, our affection should be stirred for Jesus.